This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, or you want CBD products at a cheaper value, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25, you'll get 25% off, they ship within anywhere in North America, and they have anything from tonics to rub-ons to lotions to creams, anything you need or want for any type of athlete, or even for you stay-at-home dads, you could use it as well from carrying the kids all day. I know your back gets sore, so you could put it on your back, it feels nice. I use it myself and it works, so go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, and if you're a woman that so happens to be listening to the show, go to poppyapparel.com, use promo code THEPODCAST with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide, and it's free shipping if you spend more than $50. They have everything from women's clothing to jeans to shirts to whatever you need, any size in between, any shape. doesn't matter. They ship worldwide, so go to poppyapparel.com. And lastly, First Row Collectibles. This is a Canadian company I am proudly to support, and they are proudly to support myself. They're based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. So go to firstrow.ca and use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. All the prices are in Canadian dollars. They ship worldwide. They also add items daily, stuff like wrestling collectibles, autographs, comic books, action figures, sports cards, and more. So check out firstrow.ca. So on to this week's guest. He has wrestled for such promotions as the WWF, WCW, ECW, TNA, PWG, and currently you could catch him on Ring of Honor television, former WWF three-time tag champ, former WCW hardcore champ, former ROH tag team champ, current one-third of the ROH world six-man tag team champs, current one-half of the NWA tag team champs, and winner of the 2019 Crockett Cup, the French Frankenstein PCO. How are you, Steve? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you this fine evening? Yeah, I'm great. I think we just forgot uh, the GCW uh, Extreme title that I won in uh, 2018. Is, is that uh, all I was le- leaving off your list? <laughs> I never dropped the title. Uh, 
as of now, you know, and I couldn't go back to GCW, so uh, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the forever champ then? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like I said, I ran down, you've been literally in every major wrestling federation in North America, in South America. Uh, you've even been in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, I've been a, a lot of places. I mean, Middle East a lot. Like I've Really? Saudi Arabia, way before Vince was going there. Okay. <laughs> was there with Yokozuna, uh, Tatanka, a few of other guys. Right. We're, I think, the first uh, guys that went there for a wrestling show in 40 years. Or I, I was, it was like uh, something new when we went there and around 2000, 2001. Right. And uh, they have like made huge steps since then, but still, you know. Girls couldn't wrestle this year's and this year and, and things like that. So it's, it's pretty wild over there. And uh, so I did like Kuwait, uh, Lebanon. Oh wow! Uh, a bunch of uh, other places. Okay, I want to know when you wrestled in Puerto Rico. What year was it? Ninety three. I've been there twice, like okay. for twice for like uh, major tour. I mean major stay. Uh, Ninety ninety three. I was there from. December 4, uh, no, January 4, 93. Okay. And then um, I had been there for like a uh, few weeks and my, they were getting uh, behind with my pay. Like, they, 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 like some guys there were like wrestling there for, for a long time. And they were eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks wow. behind with the money. And uh, as soon as I was like, Six to eight weeks behind, uh, I took uh, I bought a, a plane ticket and I flew back home. And uh, as soon as I got home, they called me back and they said, you have to come back. And I said, I, I can't live like that. I can't live without money. I mean, I'm, I'm not even at home. Of course. I'm not getting paid. I can't survive like that. And then they said, no, no, uh, every week you'll, you will have your money. And then I was kind of afraid to go back there because you know what happened with Brody King, uh, not Brody King, but uh, Bruiser Brody. Right. And, um, you know, you, you know, you got killed over there. So you're, you, you're aware of all those stories and things like that. And you left, you know, out of the blue without saying anything just because, you you know, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't survive or, or make a living enough. So I came back home and then they said, no, no, we're, we're going to pay you. We really want to take care of you and have you here. So I, I went back and everything was all right after that. Oh, and after that was for Carlos Colon and right. uh, uh, Jovica. And I went back in 2005 for Savio Vega, IWA. Oh, uh, gotcha. Both, both times it was for about uh, between six to eight months. So it was a long time there. Oh, well, and you were young in your career, obviously, correct? Well, the first time I was like 24. Oh, wow. And, and I went back around, I was like um, 35, I think, or 37, something like that. Oh, gotcha. So are the stories true? Are, is it as crazy as they say it is down there? It is. Like, yeah, the first time I was there, when I was 24, I, I was uh, part of a, uh, a hold-up uh, wow. in Denise. It was like 3 in the morning. Like, a bunch of guys came with... Uh, guns and start shooting on the roof on the floor and oh, taking wow. all the watches and the purse and the, right. the wall everybody they didn't touch me and uh and you know i thought i thought you know i'm gonna tough it up i'm gonna finish <laughs> my lunch but 
once they shot everywhere and everybody's screaming and everybody's leaving the restaurant, you're not even hungry anymore, you know. You, right. I'm going to leave. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to finish my lunch. Oh, my <laughs> I, God. Uh, uh, Dorman got shot, and I saw a machine gun went through a, a car. Like, they shot a car with a machine gun. And uh, in 2005, we had a... We, the, the boys uh, knew Jack uh -oh. and, and uh, Cowboy Hughes. Mm -hmm. He had uh, eat previously on a sort of a tour because uh, New Jack would come just for a few weekends you know, at a time. He was not full-time there. We were full-time there and him and uh, Cowboy Hughes had some heat. And uh, Pondo, the guy who was doing like death matches. Okay. I don't know if you know him, Pondo. No, never He's got uh, double uh, joint legs so oh. he can twist his leg around. So uh, awesome. the, the booker was uh, <laughs> Bushwalker uh, Luke. Oh, wow, okay. And, and uh They started arguing before the match, mm -hmm. and, and during the match, I said, oh, no, we're, we're going to jump off the truck. And said, no, no, we're not going to jump off the truck. It's too dangerous. And they worked, Luke, and they worked the whole dressing room, basically. And they came back, and they, they pretended it was going to be a real fight. I, I mean, uh, someone wanted to get a kendo stick. The other one, like New Jack, came with some scissors. Oh, and wow. then all the Puerto Rican guys picked up their guns and they were ready to shoot. And they said, no, no, that's a rip, that's a rip. And Luke was going like, call 611, <laughs> this is out of hands. And he was going crazy. And then wow. when they told him it was a rib, I mean, like, uh, I, that was the biggest rib. Like, I think uh, we didn't turn bad. That was, you know, pretty well done and pretty good. I mean, they got me very good. Oh, of course. I think that would, they would get anyone at that point. Shit. I played it so perfectly because it just the, the way they played it, it's like the heat was gone between them and they decided yeah. to put on a show for the boys in the dressing room and everybody was biting on it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And then you also had a, a run, a small little run, as they say, in the WWF. Both uh, tag team and singles. But first, let's t touch on the tag team where you were with Jacques Rougeau in the Quebecers. Yeah, well, we were supposed to be the Mounties, but right. because the image or, you know, the Royal uh, RCMP, <laughs> they didn't want us to, to, to use that name. So that's why Vince, you know, made a comeback. You know, he's going to, well, you guys are still going to sing. Instead of singing, you know, we're the Mounties, we're in some, we're brave, we're strong. So we're not the Mounties, we're in some, we're brave, we're strong. Right. We're not the Mounties because we enforce the law and, and things. Like that. <laughs> so it was like a, like a jab to the Mounties, and uh, and then we were called the Quebecers, and then that was a good run, you know, like three times in that year, in about eight months. Right. The WWF Tag Team Champions, and uh, it was like uh, after WrestleMania 10, uh, it was supposed to be a big win for us. Mm -hmm. that, You know, I was I was a kid. I was a rookie for WWF, and Jock was a veteran, so I was right. uh, pretty much letting him like uh, you know negotiate everything about about us. Mm -hmm. Try to learn from him, and then just to us, you know, watch him go. And uh, he had a super good relationship with Vince. Vince was calling him at home. And they were calling each other up on the phone, and uh, Vince would pick it up. And then uh, 
after WrestleMania 10, I was was supposed to be a big win for us over Men on a Mission. Right. And then Pat Patterson came up to us in the afternoon and he says, oh, guys, I got a good news and a bad news. And so, you know, it's always two bad news when they say that. So. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which one you want first? So anyways, it was like the good news was we're not losing the belts, but the bad news was we're, we're, we're it's going to be a count out, you know, so which was supposed to be our biggest, strongest win because we we were like a team that always got away with, you know, cheating and uh, yeah. like that it was not like clean, clean pin like, let's say, Road Warriors or Demolition or a strong team. We were like basically cowards, you yeah. know, and cheating and uh, there was nothing strong about, about us. We had the style. <laughs> we had like great sets of moves that was powerful and right. acts and uh, I think we kind of revolutionized uh, set moves and things like that, mm -hmm. combos uh, very innovative we were and uh, so that didn't come through that big win that we were supposed to have and uh, Jacques decided that he had enough. He was fed up with all the politics and things that didn't come through as promised. And uh, mm -hmm. felt like he, he was not earning the money that he was promised. So he agreed on uh, setting up his retirement match in, at the Montreal Forum and then doing the retirement match. So for both, for those two matches... Uh, the agreement was like he was going to make 50G and then he was going to retire. And then he got his money and he retired but came back later. But um, it was a was a huge success in Montreal. We actually, the whole roster was booked on that car. We were working on main event. And, uh, and then it was, for me, it was like a, a very important night. It was a big test for me because Vince McMahon was there. Mm -hmm. All the executive of WWF were there and it was like it was going to launch my single career right. so do well I had to do good and uh, we did you know we, we stole the show uh, of course we were like both uh, from the place and uh, we had the chance to be on every medias and TV stations and radio stations it was the hockey strike the baseball everything was in our favor perfect you know? yeah the front page of you know the biggest paper mm -hmm. uh, because we we took basically the the, the place of the hats you know we, we we took the place of montreal canadians right. and um and then we the the top journalists or editorialists you know they were like uh, asking us so it was like uh, i made so many news uh tv stations and and in a month, it was incredible. So it, it was like a, a huge success. And, uh, it was cool, you know, like uh, Vince was there, witnessed everything, and uh, it kind of jump-started me for my, for my next run after that. Yeah, and speak of that next run, you got repackaged as uh, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, and you had a feud with Bret Hart, a nice three-month feud that all came together at uh, In Your House 3, which people still talk about as one of the greatest matches on that card. So, in your opinion, how was that whole time working with Brett, and how much did you learn from, I guess, the so-called greatest of all time? Yeah, well, I gotta say that he was pretty, uh, pretty smart and pretty professional about, uh, especially like let's say like pay-per-view matches. Like he, 
you know, if if you'd be if you'd be sharing a dressing room with Brad and you didn't didn't know him that much, like he wouldn't give you his phone number just like that, or right. or, or you, you wouldn't be able to call him at, at at his house and he would not pick up the phone. But uh, when you're like working a pay per view or hot angle with him, he'd say, oh, "Call me up," you know. Well. Uh, We'll make sure that everything's good, and he was really professional about it. So that was that was cool, and um, I felt like I got really tight with, with Brett. I got really uh, a good relationship with him, and um, and actually, like he put me on his um, Brett Art Dungeon collection. So okay. so I had a spot there. Uh, ten of his favorite matches. So maybe he was choosing like maybe a technical match, a power house match, mm-hmm. you know, a team for for different matches. Right. So like uh, he chose me for the power house matches, and so I was the, I was his pick. So that was uh, kind of nice, and uh, I learned a lot with him. And uh, it was it was really really nice to me. It was awesome been great oh that's awesome to hear okay before we get into the current reincarnation of your character i want to touch on one little thing your small run in tna which you eventually became the french commentator how was it transitioning from wrestler to commentator was it easy for you did you find a learning curve in it oh it was easy was easy because um the guy in charge of uh the guy who was doing the commentary, I was actually doing like the the color. I was adding the spice, you know, uh, in between the commentary. Right. And uh, I knew him, so because uh, he, he he used to work for Vince before. Okay. Was was the ring of uh, a ring announcer for Vince uh, on TV and not just in Montreal. Like he was like even with Macho Man or Hogan or Andre. Uh, his name is Mark Blondin, mm-hmm. and. Um, He's very crafted. He's very good uh, bilingual, uh, but we were doing it for uh, TNA in French. So no, that that actually we really got over. Uh, it's, it's always a little thing like that when it's a French show and it's the English. Uh, what let's say you know like you got a minute at the beginning and a minute to close the show where you're on cam mm-hmm. and uh, have like yes little spot and uh halfway through the show and uh, we were doing like some 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 good stuff where you know uh I, it, it got it got us over uh and it's not supposed to be like that because you know you're supposed to just put the wrestlers over right. which my focus when i got there i really wanted to emphasize on that but then then you get get caught in the mold not because you want to do it because you've been told that that's the way to do it so you go along with the guys that have been there for a longer time than you and right pattern and it got over and then i was making great money also so uh i was it was like awesome money <laughs> seriously um it was pretty crazy to quit on that job. Looking <laughs> <laughs> backwards, I'm I'm happy I did because right. I was I liked it, but I thought I was just too young for it. You know, it wasn't mm. my time. I was not ready to go over that second step. You know, I, I there's things that I wanted to accomplish in the business that I felt well. If I'm doing that job right away, 
there's no way I'll be able to accomplish what I had set for myself when I was a kid, you know. Right, no, I totally understand. Like, you got to follow your passion. Sometimes it's better to follow your passion versus your, your wallet, right? Well, well, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, if at the end of my life, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dying and I made money, doesn't make shit for me, you know? Right. But if at the end of my life I made a difference because I was happy and I was, you know, uh, proud of myself and it had an impact on the people around me, my family, my friends, and that I, I, I also could be like some sort of an inspiration, not because I wanted to, but because by being happy and by accomplish, accomplishing my goals and my dreams, uh, it creates that type of energy. And then that's, that. I think that's, I would die in a better way than just being rich and not having the chance to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. So that, that was my thought going into it. Cause, uh, I remember, uh, my boss, at the TV station, he says, you know, we can, PCO, if you want, you go there in England and then we can hold on to the job for three months. And if it doesn't work out, you come back and you have a job. And I said, well, if I believe in myself and what I want to accomplish in this business, and I'm telling you that if it doesn't work out, I'm going to fall back on a great job. To me, it means that I don't believe in myself, basically, because, you know, I feel like you got to burn all the burn all the the boats you know if you go in the war <laughs> you, go, you go into an island and you have to fight another army right burn all your boats so you can go back you either die there or you win so there's no other you know that's what my that was my thought and i died <laughs> lucky enough to be resurrected you got it okay so in 2011 you decided to, to retire now th three questions why did you retire what were you doing in those five years before you came back in 2016 and why did you decide to come back in 2016 uh, it's, a, it's a weird story i mean um uh i never i never ever ever stopped dreaming about what i wanted to accomplish when i was a kid okay was always there in my and it was it was there so hard in my subconscious subconscious in my mind that uh, I never thought it was it was gonna it was there so uh, so dramatically or so with such an impression on my subconscious that it was it was really something because I I've done so much you know to in order to accomplish it and I made some mistakes mm. and I kind of uh, sometimes by my own mistakes or wrong judgments and things like that I, I made <clears throat> the wrong decisions and uh, I paid the price but it was there and it was a uh, and then what happened I'd say when I did quit the job of the TV and I, I went to England and I went to see Sean, I went to see Vince, and I went to see everybody, and I had a few tryouts, and I gave them a few scenarios, and uh, it didn't work out, 
they, they said they didn't have anything for me. Uh, they sent me back home, you know. I was mm -hmm. supposed to do Raw, I was supposed to do SmackDown. So after Raw, they said, no, don't bother to come tomorrow. Just take the car and just drop it off in Montreal. And I was in Mohegan uh, Sun in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And that was a tough one, you know, coming back, you know, driving all those hours, maybe 15, 14 hours. I don't know. Because I got kind of lost on the way back. I didn't have GPS back then. Right. Didn't have a map. I was just trying to go with my senses. And <laughs> it took me forever to come back, and um, I was it was a tough, very very tough time because I had gambled everything on that tryout, and right. I had put everything, you know, quit a job and and made sacrifices, like even with uh, you know the 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 mom of my daughter, if my ex, if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, sacrifices like that were you know almost sacrificing couples you know a, a relationship right. and um and i was looking when I, it was only back then it was only wwe like it was Pretty no much. other option in 2000 uh when it happened it was 2009 mm. so i was looking around and all the doors were closed and then uh I just decided that what, what happened is just uh, I was called up to do a radio show in Montreal, okay. which is a lot of people are listening to it. It was a very popular radio show. And then the guy asked me, he says, uh, what, what's going on with your career? And I said, um, oh, it was not a proper retirement match or a press conference where I said, well, listen, this is, you know, I'm taking my, uh, I'm retiring from right. wrestling. But just something like like I'm with you like that, and if you would ask me what's going on with wrestling, and I think I think it's over with. I mean, I don't I don't see any doors open. I don't see how I could go back there after what I went through right now. Right. And I had a pretty bad year last year, and it just to me I couldn't see anything. I said, I think I'm through. I think I'm done. You know, it's not what I wanted, but that's what I thought. So. I, and it was, you know, when sometimes you want something so hard and then you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, but it seems like you're pushing away instead of, um, you know, having the, the thing that you want so much getting to you, you're pushing it away. Yep. So I, I just think that when I decided that I was going to let go, that I was going to kind of take a step back or, you know, not wrestle anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, then I started to do like uh, some videos on, uh, on YouTube and then, uh, People start, you know, calling me and saying, well, uh, you should cover a pay-per-view or Raw and make a report and doing things like that. And I was doing it in French. So, I, so just to get more uh, subscribers and things like that, I went along with wrestling again, but I was not supposed to do wrestling. <laughs> right. I was supposed to do other things, you know. So... So I went along, I got a few wrestling things. I have guys that I know that they have like good, you know, websites and things like that about right. wrestling and they were plugging my videos. So I was getting more subscribers. So it was basically became, which I wanted to get away, but I went back to wrestling by not knowing it, like just, just happened. Wow. And then someone called me up, says, you want to wrestle? And oh, I don't think so. And then I went and I wrestled. And then uh, I did a few shows, and then people kept calling. And then, uh, and the thing is, like, while I was not wrestling, I, I was really strong on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I had done like three competitions. Oh, wow, okay. 
Yeah, I won like the Montreal Open like two times. Mm. Uh, in the beginners, you know, like uh, right. it was not like uh, a black belt or anything like that. But you know, I was you know uh, with the with the, the the white belts and the uh, the blue belts. You know, uh, I was doing great. So so I was uh, was winning tournaments and things like that, and I uh, was getting good at it. And I did also. I was doing like private karate. Uh, Uh, Kyokushin courses, like because I, I really uh, I wanted to, you know, improve my strikings and things like that, and right. to just stay in shape. So uh, I was doing a lot of things, and then um, it just it, things start clicking from one thing to another to another. Eventually, uh, someone from I had never worked in the states other than WWE, WCW, the big federation. I never right. did indies before okay. in the United States. And uh, so someone from Indiana called me, Michael Blanton. He says, uh, "Well, I'd like you know to have you on a, on my show, and I'll, I'll make a team about you, and it's, it's going to be called We're Not the Mounties or something like that." And 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 I went there, and uh, it was uh, January 13, uh, 2018. Yeah. And uh, he had given me gave me two dates do you want to do january 13 or april 21st and i had that, i had that thing in my mind if i want to be at wrestlemania i can't take <laughs> april 21st i gotta go for january 13 but i i wanted to have more time to be ready for to have a good match you know to train harder and do more things like wrestling wise mm -hmm. but I didn't have time, so I said, oh, I'm going to do January 13th. He said, I'm going to put you with uh, all ego Ethan Page. I said, all right. So I've watched some matches of Page, and I knew he was a great worker. So <clears throat> so the the Saturday, the, the, the 13th, I went to uh, YUL, the, the airport in Montreal. It was a super big snowstorm. Uh -oh. So I stayed on the air, aircraft for about six hours. Anyways... Wow. I barely made it. I almost didn't take off. The plane almost didn't take off. We finally we took off after so many hours in the aircraft. I've never seen anything like that that didn't let us come out and come back in. Right. So they were always expecting the next hour will be good or the next hour will be good. Eventually, I get to Indiana like probably 15 minutes, you know, to lace up the boots to oil up, you know, and uh, and put a match together. And George and Ella was there watching, and all the boys were watching. It was like uh, second matches, second match or third match on the card, okay. and uh, we had like a 18 minute match or something. We, we had a great match, and uh, on the way back to the hotel, Joey, I didn't even know Joey back then. I had like totally, I was watching Raw, SmackDown, mm -hmm. I was doing WWE report, but I had no clue about the indie scenes. Uh, other than New Japan, things like that. Some some of the matches sometimes that were interesting that I was watching, but not that much. I didn't know the whole landscape. So uh, Joey asked me if I wanted to do the Spring Break 2, mm -hmm. Georgia Spring Break 2. And he started explaining to me that the Spring Break, spring break 1 was a big uh, buzz on the Internet and really got over and uh, high expectation for the two. So uh, he says, you're going to be wrestling Walter big uh, German guy, Austrian guy. Right. No, I don't know a guy. I had worked him before in WXW in Germany, but I couldn't remember when I saw him mm -hmm. or when he was saying his name. 
So anyways, uh, Joe is the... So he got back in touch with me. Says, Everything's working out for uh, WrestleMania uh, was 34. It was a, a weekend, WrestleMania 34, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing. There's the, I want you on the card, and I really want you, and all my, my partners want you. But uh, he says, we can't afford really to fly you in. So... Mm-hmm. So I said, well, all right, I'm going to still do it. So I drove there. Oh, wow. And without a GPS, I look, I'll look at a map. Wow. I'm looking at a map. I'd been to Orlando, Florida before, which was okay. about 24 hours. I said, okay. So it turns left to Orlando and it turns right to New Orleans. It seems about the same time to me. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> it took me 40 hours to get there, not 24. Wow. And uh, for a 25-minute match and 40 hours to come back. And I did that, like, straight. 40 hours without sleeping. I got there. I slept the night before. Right. I got there around 11.30. I saw the last match of Walter, the, the, the Friday night. Okay. And, and then I went to bed. And then uh, it was Saturday night at midnight. It was the spring break. And I was third match against, against Walter. And... Uh, it's like a miracle happened, you know. It was crazy because I had done like three videos, like you know, the Monday night PCO Death Show videos right. prior to the WrestleMania. It wasn't called Monday night PCO and Death Show. It was just videos shot for the for the spring break for Walter, and um, they introduced me, uh, the ring announcer. I was so cold, it's like nobody wanted to see me there. Mm. It was like one of the worst reactions I ever got. I mean, it was so bad, so cold. But I was so pumped and so fired up. Right. So about, after, we're going into some crazy chop exchange. My, my, my chest turned purple, mm. red, every color that exists had been in my, on my chest. Right. It was pretty crazy, and then and then halfway through the match, we we do a big exchange where I chop him back to the corner. Mm-hmm. He chops me back all the way back to the other corner, and I chop him back all the way to. Uh, we're fighting in the middle of the ring, so it's like me. I back him up. He backs me back up, and I go back into the middle, and we start trading like crazy, and and I start to come back where I started in like a spring-legged moonsault. Moon salts from the top rope to the outside, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of, of, of things, and eventually the whole crowd just got up in eruption, and it was like Rocky Four. It was like super crazy. Wow! All the, the finish uh, from the maybe the match, the whole thing was like twenty five minutes, but from maybe thirteen to fourteen minutes of the match, everybody was up, mm-hmm. and they never sat back down. They, they, Stayed up for all the way to the end of the match, and, and then and I got the win one two three, and it was like pandemonium. It was crazy, wow. and then everything like kind of took off from there. Yeah, pretty much because that's when you got signed to ROH and then joined Villain Enterprises. Okay, before we get into all that, for people who don't know, what is PC or sorry? Well, I guess you could say what because it is sort of half yeah, man. What? So, what is Perfect Creation One? Well, you know, uh, I didn't want to say, but everybody, like, I'm going to say my name's uh, PCO is standing. That I came up with the PCO name 
while I was doing the, the, the show that I was talking about uh, for TNA in French, okay. uh, I wanted to be PCO because I never really liked my name, like my full name, Pierre, Carl, Willette. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to pronounce, and it's, it's super kind of French, the Willette, and it's Willette, and, and you know, like right. they misspell it, and sometimes <laughs> one T, no E before the double L or just one L, two T. And, you know, it's always got, you know, pretty much butchered. Yeah, so, I totally understand. With PCO, it's, it's, it's catchy, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So I really got over here in Montreal and Quebec and the province of Quebec. So I was really over already with just the TNA show as PCO. I said, that's something that I want to carry on now to the States. So when I was speaking to Joey, I said, I'd like to go as PCO, you know, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll transition from Quebec or Pierre to PCO, but right. that's how I'm introduced and that's how I want to go. And then after the, the, the spring break, um, I was in demand. I mean, I was like doing three to four indie shows uh, per week. So nice. I was on every, po- I was a poster boy for every federation in the States. Right. Uh, Germany, everywhere. I was like, then I went. I got called up from MLW. Mm-hmm. I was I was the main event for MLW. I did uh, almost every main event for them. A bunch of matches, and uh, and I was main eventing everywhere on this in the states for from LA PWG to uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, mm-hmm. like you said, Bola, uh, Texas, all over. And uh, Colorado, everywhere, uh, Portland, Oregon, and then um, and then uh, every almost a lot of federation wanted to sign me at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, the the videos on Twitter. Well, you know, I go by PCO's not human now because I'm doing like things like uh, what well, basically what happened. It was my reincarnation. When I wrestled Walter, it was everything that I always dreamed about since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That had happened at a late age of 50 years old. So we kind of did like a Quentin Tarantino deal where we went backwards, you know? Right. So because on the last, because I told you we were doing, like we did three videos leading to the uh, spring break with George and us, the show. Mm-hmm. So the last one was I was getting hit in the chase chest by a fry pan and then I got tired of it and take it off the ends of Destro when I rolled the fry pan mm-hmm. and then as I was walking away from him my back to him he right after we shot that video he said man you are Frankenstein you, you walk like him right. you, you you the same the same walking the same way you endow yourself the same way as a kid, I was a big fan of the Frankenstein movies. Mm-hmm. Watch them over and over, Adam Sam and things like that. It's, you are him, and that's you. <laughs> and then we went with that, the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Actually, that was Cor Bauer, MLW, who came up with the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Uh, but we, we had done, you know, like I was like, uh, we had Destro picking me up in the cemetery. Uh, where I was dead, and then brought me to the the lab, and then put the uh, the, the the car battery right. and with the jumper cables, and shot me on the heart, and then I, you know, I resurrected, which was like a 
also an image to my career. Mm -hmm. so it made sense as a character and it made sense as what was going on in my life and in my career. And then we were doing videos that they were, sometimes we didn't even know that it would, they were scenes from the movies. Like one time I got set on fire and then we realized that we had shot something that was done in a movie. That happened maybe five or six times on different videos that we, we did it without knowing it. And then uh, we, we knew we were on something because things were crisscrossing so close to the reality that uh, that uh, it gelled with the story. And Destro is uh, Michelle, Mike Roy or Michelle Owe. Uh, his name is uh, Destroyer because uh, on the old time, strong, old time uh, feats of strength, old time men's feats of strength, mm -hmm. he is uh, at the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, classic, the bodybuilding contest. Right. invited him, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to to do a show, and uh, uh, all the strongest men in the world were there, like Bill Kazmaier and all those guys. Oh, wow. And uh, he did put ten thousand dollars on the table and said, "Anybody that can beat me, uh, what I'm doing, I'll give them ten grand." Wow. And and nobody was capable of doing what he he's doing. I mean, bending nails. Bending a penny, right. uh, a couple of decks of cards uh, with his hands, mouth, uh, wow. bunch of things. Super, super strong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he, he he taught me everything that he knew because the thing with Destro is he was three hundred and something pounds, and he lost one hundred and sixty-eight pounds, and he's been keeping it off for more than twelve years. So I went to him. As I, I knew, like, even before the Walter deal was done, about it was October 2017, I was doing some Indies in Quebec and in Ontario for mm -hmm. Great North Wrestling with Annabelle. And uh, I wanted to get, you know, better conditioning and better shape. And I, and I asked him if he wanted to train me. Yeah. So he started as a personal trainer. Then we became friends. Right. Then he was holding on to the camera while I was shooting my promos, and he was telling me there's something missing in your promos mm. that we could add, you know, with what I know, what I can make you do that would enhance your, you know, your promos. Mm -hmm. So that's how everything gets started, and the evolution from there has been like what what we see now. So it's been like a almost a fairy tale uh, story you know it's pretty crazy everything how everything came about no no kidding so into the roh right now that you're currently in like you just said it's just crazy it just literally happened like in a blink of an eye you're part of this faction that's known as villain enterprises that's headed by obviously the villain himself marty scroll you tag with brody king and now these guys added the new member flip gordon how, how is this whole thing like like you said are you is your mind blown because Everyone knows Marty Scroll right now is one of the hottest performers on the indie scene, right? So to be attached to that and be an ROH altogether and have all these titles, like, you must be loving it. Yeah, of course. Well, the thing is, like, you know, you remember when I told you when I was going to England, I was I was burning my boats and things like that? Right. Well, I came back and nothing happened and I thought everything was down the drain. But the one thing 
that wasn't down the drain is the fact that I met Marty Squirrel that year oh. and Nick Aldis. And I never thought that would come back and help me out in my life. Mm. But when I'm talking with Nick Aldis, he's saying, well, the thing is that you treated us so good as a veteran, me and Marty, right. and all the other veterans that came by treated us like, like shit, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I really got over in 2018 on the indie scene, Marty knew me. And that was his idea to tell Ring of Honor that I would like, you know, to start my own faction and mm-hmm. like that PTO and Brody King. Well, maybe it was other names mentioned that didn't work out. I don't know the whole process. Right. But eventually I went WXW over in Germany and I got like a serious phone call. I had like exchanging texts text with Marty during the, the whole 2018. I mean, since it was like really over in 2018, I got a few phone texts, uh, text messages from Marty saying, All right, do you have a contract with MLW or do you have a contract with any other company? And it's, no, I don't have a contract with no one. And then, and then other companies start, you know, wanted to get my services too. And um, it was a hell of a race. And I decided to go with, with ROH because I knew Marty right. uh, and I knew Brody King because I had worked him the whole year. You know, uh, he was one of the top indie star mm-hmm. and I was one of the top indie star. So, so we, we feuded in MLW. So, and uh, wrestled in Bola smash wrestling in uh, Toronto too. So uh, Toronto or Ontario, whatever around that area yeah it was near it's not near hamilton so um i decided uh you know that was it was uh, the right move for me and and uh, i went along and uh from day one when we started and uh, i remember it was december 16th uh 2018 um the actually Cody and the Bucks were doing their last shows when I started. So, all right. You know, it was, they were leaving and we were introduced and we were hoping to get a good <laughs> welcome. And then the place erupted like it was a crazy reaction. I was like in the rain, uh, blackout, and then the electricity was on the screen and everybody knew it was PCO. And it's a huge pop. And from that night on, it was. It's been like more and more and more. Uh, just came back from uh, Amherstein um, Ballroom in New York right. the last weekend, and uh, it was pretty crazy with the fans. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know. Like, I was I was following Shane Taylor for the parking lot, mm-hmm. but I was kind of lost, and he had us going in front of the building to go back on the other side of the building, and all the fans were there. And everybody was chanting and and singing PCO songs and all kinds of stuff and taking selfies and it uh, it was almost like a Stanley Cup parade there in New York. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. So uh, it's been like a really really like uh, fun ride, and it's been like everything that that I was dreaming when I was a kid. You know, it's happening now. Right. So. It's, 
No, that that is awesome to hear. Now, one last wrestling question I have before, because I want to touch on you. You're also a big sports fan. I want to get you mentioned BJJ. You also mentioned the Montreal Canadiens. So I assume you're also a hockey fan. But before that, what's the biggest difference you find from performing in the '90s to today? Um, they, uh, I mean, uh, from the indie scene and with ROH, especially, and if I look at New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's 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 the speed, you know. It's, it's much a faster pace. Uh, there's no rest hold like our way. We don't really like you know grab a, a headlock, you know, and then install it for a little while. You know, it's right. it's constant moving and it's a fast pace. Um, and also, there's a, I think a lot of combos and. Um, yeah, stack up like a bunch of moves on top of each other. Mm. A lot of reversal and re-reversal and counter, and you know everything has changed and, and it's faster. And also, uh, there, I don't oppose myself to a lot of things, but I see things sometimes that don't make sense. Okay, but I go along with it because it would be trying to kind of you know swim against the tide you know because you. let's say my if we're on an eight-man tag or a six-man tag and i got an idea but the five other guys have another idea i don't want to speak my my i don't want to save my thoughts because i don't want to i hate when sometimes guys that have more years in the business or let's say old timers that don't evolve sometimes don't want to evolve they want to they want wrestling to be like it was in the 90s on the 80s right well there's an evolution but sometimes there are little things that i think uh that that could be taken care of like uh more i i think sometimes uh the guys are are um they want an instant pop, mm-hmm. and then great match mm-hmm. every night, and they're ready to sacrifice a character or a storyline in order to get a pop. Mm-hmm. Where sometimes you could get your character like over for three, four, five show and build up a spe- specific pop for a specific event. Right. I think that has changed a lot. Like you'd say, like let's say for an example, if I'm talking about WWE. Um, Braun Strowman, he should pick the spot where he's going to be slammed or suplexed. You know, mm-hmm. it, it should be someone that they're going to push hard or want to really make him look good. But he, he shouldn't, like, bump just for for a pop in a match, just to make a match look good, kind of. So there's a little things that needs to be worked around and that's just being uh not judging or anything just trying perfectionist you know that i would i wouldn't change anything but i would have things to make a little bit more sense sometimes just sometimes but if it's a very important match i will i will say what i think of course but if they if the other group doesn't think my my uh, my way of seeing things or my analysis 
myself analyzing a certain situation. Uh, um, I, I'm I'm gonna go with 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 the flow kind of you know I, I don't I don't want to to be a headache for nobody. So um, and actually uh, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning almost more from the from the, the, the this generation that I'm wrestling with that they're actually learning from me. It's oh, wow. reversal. <laughs> Wait, but it's, that's the way. That's my take on it. I mean, everything's about uh, embrace, embracing changes. You that's know, true. If, if you fight again against changes, you, you can't evolve. And that's and a lot of people are asking me, "What's this? Why am I having so much success?" It's just because I'm 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 embracing those changes, you know. I I know that resting has changed to this point, and maybe at some places I'll be able to put my two cents in there and get my psychology there that I think that it, way it should go. But other times I think it's not worth the fight, you know. It's not worth the the uh, the exchange of who's who's right and who's not, and True. and. Uh, um, uh, I really accepted that bus- the business has changed now, and that's that's the way it is. You know, it's uh, instant gratification. You want to have the best matches that night every night, so you're not gonna hold on to your storyline until it's the time to have the greatest match of the night. So that has changed a little bit. To own, but I'm going along with it, though. <laughs> well, you got to roll with the punches, as they say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's the best way to do it. So it's kind of cool because you know I've known every generation, and uh, this. To be honest with you, this is my favorite one, though. This is the one I have more fun. I like yeah. the way the wrestling is now. I think it's it's cool, and uh, uh, and I, I think I was made for this generation. I wasn't made for the ninety generation. I was made more for this generation than the past generation. So that's 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 why I'm having success. And also, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, it's something where I'm saying I'm not human, things like that. Well, the, most of the guys, they don't believe me that I don't feel pain. But, you know, sometimes they, they're making jokes in the dressing room. Like, say, I'm sure once you, you're in your room, you're holding on to the wall and to your bed and you're all hurt and right. injured. And now I'm going to eat with my boy. I'm going to eat every night with Brody King, with Marty School. We're hanging out together. We're taking a taxi together, a Uber together. We're going to get some food. We're getting back to the hotel, and I'm not feeling anything. And uh, and they don't believe it, and it's cool. So it makes me like really not being human, doing crazy stuff at my age. Well, they do say the best character in wrestling is an extension of yourself, right? So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was always like that since I was a kid. I was always like the, the daredevil, you know, liking to take chance. I mean, and I get a thrill out of it. Like if it's say like I'm up in the air doing a, a moonsault, I'm, I'm thrilling up in the air. If I'm doing like a getting power bomb from you know the ring into the cement floor while I'm floating in the air, I'm having fun until I hit the cement floor. I'm still having fun. Wow, crazy! I mean, that's how my brain works. I'm having fun out of those things. People, like Japanese people, they were asking me, why why would you want to take a bump like that? Because we're at Madison Square Garden, it's sold out. Why not? <laughs> right. It's true. And did you ever think you were going gonna ever be back at MSG? That's the other thing, right? You never know. So you got to make it worthwhile and rememberable. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I... 
I wanted to do something special, and I wanted people to remember me for that night, and they right. did. Yeah. Still talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay, we're both Canadian, so obviously we both watch hockey. Favorite team is the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Weak spot also for uh, Vegas. Okay. Tonight. Okay. Oh, I'm a big uh, Jerry Gallant. Uh, you know, I really liked him as a coach since his junior when he was in the queue. Okay. You know, for uh, when he won the the Memorial Cup, and then uh, and then when he got hired, Montreal Canadiens as an assistant coach, and I, I really liked the guy. I, I think he was a great player too, and then. Then he became a great coach, and uh, I, was, I was happy. There's a bunch of guys that I like over there. Fleury as a goaltender, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I really like the vibe. I mean, every, everybody thought, well, Vegas was going to be a failure for hockey, and right. it's probably the, the, the most fun. You know, you see the fans there win, lose, whatever happened. They're, they're partying. They're just happy to be there, that they have a franchise, to have like a professional team mm-hmm. to, to get behind them and they, they really get behind it and, and I like and I wish sometimes that Montreal, the fans, wouldn't be so hard on the players and they, they would enjoy the game and they would have right. fun and they would go there, not just to, because I think Montreal is one of the teams where we won so many Stanley Cup at one point mm-hmm. that... Now people are expecting the the, the, the Montreal Canadiens to win as many cups as they were doing in the seventies. Right. But there's thirty one or thirty two <laughs> clubs. Yeah. There's only one winner per year. Yeah. So why would you think that Montreal would have a better team than the other team? When back then we had the first two picks in Quebec every year. It was part of the deal. Montreal had the first Two first pick in Quebec, they, they was protected. Right. It was a protected territory. So imagine uh, the advantage that they had. Exactly right. Well, people don't know that, but they, they had a huge advantage. And uh, the new fans now they don't even know the story of the of the team. And, you know, they they heard about the Rocket Richard and the Gila Fleur and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the big three and and all that. I mean. We always had like you know superstar team, and now we're grinding and like any any other team, trying to be smart and trying to have things like St. Louis, where the, you know they you weren't even like in the playoff like uh, spot or story at right. Christmas, and then they they won the cup. So it's, that, that was happy. I was okay. yeah. So yeah, so yeah, I gotta. I like the, the Vegas Knights, and I, and I was really happy. I really liked the whole story with the, with that girl with the St. Louis Blues. I think they it created a bond between the players and her, and her and the players, and right. they were they were playing for her, and then she was there for them. And then I think there's always like a story like that during the mm-hmm. championship. So yeah, at one point all the players are like all like a huge family, and <laughs> everything gel and sticks together, and then. Because I played, uh, I played good level of hockey. So oh, nice. sport. I played uh, here in Quebec. You got the uh, junior major, and you also got the uh, college college uh, major league, which nice. is like you have to play for a college and then 
So now the, 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 let's say, I think it's, uh, tri- I don't know if you have like in Ontario, it's still junior triple A or how they call it, but uh, like that, the yeah. Fred H cup, let's say, right. uh, the college league and the, uh, the triple A here, the junior triple A, they're going to merge together to have more clubs. So the triple A's got nine clubs there and college probably ate like six clubs. So they're going to merge together. I don't know because age-wise it doesn't work. Cause right. I couldn't leave college until I was like uh, with my birthday until I was 22. Oh, wow. okay. So and then usually you only allowed three 20 years old and a junior. So I don't know how they're gonna work out the age gap. But uh, but you can start at 16 in college anyways. So you had 16 year old player. I was the oldest one at 22, and I played two years. I think my 20 year 21, and I turned 22 in December. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I think my last year was 21 or 22. And then I got uh, offered uh, uh, to go to the training camp for uh, Chicago. Uh, it was the uh, Fort Wayne, uh, the Fort Wayne Comets in the International Hockey League. All Sims was the coach. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, he was on the phone with me. And because uh, I had played the, uh, I don't know if you know about that, but. The, you got the uh, Allen Cup and you got the Hardy Cup okay. and, uh, and a senior. And I played for the Hardy Cup. Uh, it was against Amandi. Well, we, we had a, a team from Quebec. Mm-hmm. And I was the best scorer of the team that year. Nice. And got invited. And uh, instead of going to the training camp, because I only had one eye. So I was playing with one eye. Right. So, uh, so sometimes I'd get like major... Check, you know, in the middle of the, the ice, so looking for a puck on one side and train was coming on the other side. Right. Even though, like, playing at, like, 215, 220, it was, like, mm-hmm. a big player. But um, I decided to, I uh, got booked in the meantime by uh, Emil Dupre in the Maritimes, and instead of going for the hockey, I went for wrestling. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I'm a huge fan of hockey. Well, I like baseball. I'm following baseball, football, every sports. You know, I get big sports fan. Oh, that's awesome! And you mentioned Vegas. Uh, the reason why I like Vegas is because they're bringing some life into the NHL. Like, don't you think that the NHL sort of falling behind with these other leagues, where it still feels like it's an older league, where there's not that much enthusiasm? Like, I don't. It doesn't feel youthful like the other leagues. Yeah, maybe, but I gotta tell you, we're making huge, huge steps because in 1993, when I was with WWF, mm-hmm. I was talking about hockey in a car or something. Right. Nobody knew what offside was. Nobody knew any players. Nobody oh, knew anything about the sports. Now, yeah. it's crazy. Boston fans That's thought cool. their referee is uh, recording all the match of the Bruins. Mm-hmm. He can't watch them while he's wrestling or while he's refereeing on the road. Right, right. And he don't want to tell him the score. <laughs> Jan Rokobani, yeah. big fan. Oh, wow. So we can station for 30 minutes about hockey in a ride car, you know, in a car ride, whatever. But before, impossible to have a discussion about hockey with anyone in, in the wrestling industry. Now, everybody. With the Briscoes, right. they don't know. You can still have a conversation about it. Oh, wow. They know. Oh, that's so cool. that's I think it's we're making huge steps. I mean, I think uh, with the I don't know if it was the gold medal from the U.S. 1980, like play 
that's a great movie, uh, yeah. Miracle on Ice. Right. And and I was a kid when I watched it. I remember watching that game and, and my dad telling me, ah, it's a bunch of guys from, from college and they're playing the Rush, Russian where they've been playing together for 16 years or whatever. Like, I remember like it was yesterday telling me that those kids, they were going to get wiped out and they lost. By watching the movie, I didn't remember that. But on the movie 10-0, The Garden, a week before, and they, they won. So... So I think that helped, and uh, Gretzky going to LA, and Crosby going to Pittsburgh, and Lemieux, and that's true. Uh, a bunch of big moves that were made, you know, by the league. And we we kind of hate Gary Bettman, but I think he did good for the league. Yeah, he did do well. I'm a Pittsburgh fan myself. I'm in Toronto. I never was a Leafs fan. I never enjoyed the Leafs because to me, it's it's not a hockey team. I've said it, and I'll say it to the day I die. I don't care if I get slack for it. They're, they're a business. They're not in it to win it. They're in it to make money, I find. Especially living in Toronto and the way they cover the Leafs and everything. So I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and it was mostly because of Marilyn Mew getting drafted to the Penguins. And then now with Crosby and the whole resurgence of them being a powerhouse again, love it. So I, I see how the Americans could have loved it as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, the, the sport is moving. Like, it's probably one of the top three sports in the States now. Oh, that's good to hear. I think uh, the sport with the most problem right now is baseball. Oh, I could see that. The stadiums are not full. They are, you know, half full or half empty. I mean, they're uh, the games. They they're trying to solve a lot of problems. Games being too long. Right. Uh, There's a lot of problems with baseball right now. There's so. So I think football is so good. Basketball is great, and hockey comes third. Oh, that's good I to think. hear. Oh, from, from from what I get on the road. Right, of course. Well, you're in the trenches, so you would know. And with the wrestlers, with the everybody, hockey is really popular now in the states. Oh, that's awesome! And I think ratings proved it too. They did some great score. I mean, during the one of the game, uh, with over like seven million. Um, I don't know if it was seven as the points or seven millions, but right. I know they got they got the highest like ratings like in the almost in the history of the game this year with the Blues and the Bruins. That's awesome so, to hear. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, before I let you go, I usually end the show with either a stupid story or what I like to call a dumbass of the week. But I don't really have a dumbass of the week this week. But I saw a story that I'm like, oh, I'm going to be talking to PCO, and I wonder if this was maybe some kind of work that Destro did or something. But anyways, in Las Vegas, they have HOV lanes where obviously if you have more than one person in the car, you're allowed to take that lane on the highway, right? Yeah. So a police officer stopped a certain type of car that was in the HOV lane because they noticed something fishy. So they pulled over a hearst and what was inside the hearst was a dead body and that's why the driver thought he could take the HOV lane. And they say no names were given. So was this <laughs> Destro and yourself trying to get away with something? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Oh, man, it's crazy. Yeah, it could have been us. <laughs> Is that going to be the next PCO in Destro Monday night? <laughs> oh, yeah. I like it. Great. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I'm just I have to tell tell this true that story. <laughs> I think someone's <laughs> watching you guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Makes 
All right, my friend. Thank you once again for coming on. This is your time to shine. Plug your stuff, your socials, where you're going to be, anything up and coming. Yeah, you know, like uh, SummerSlam weekend. I'm going to be in Toronto August 9th at the Maple Leaf Garden. And I'll see you there because I'll be at that show. So maybe I'll pop in and say what's up to you. Yeah, what what is it called now? Maple Leaf Garden. It's called the the Madame Center, I believe. Okay, okay, but that's cool for me. I mean, I've been there before, but oh, that's right. gonna be another like cool trip, you know, because uh, Madison Square Garden, now Maple Leaf Garden, you know, it's a good ring to it, you know, and it's really historical. My favorite social media platform. Well, I'm at the big Facebook and Instagram too, and YouTube as well. But uh, PCO is not human on uh, Twitter. Uh, very, very, I'm very interactive. I don't think there's, yeah. I don't think there's anyone that I never interact interact with. I, I retweet it. I make, you know, and to me, it's important also to not just comment, just to comment. It's, uh, it's very appropriate to different person that I get to know because I see their messages and then I, when I make a comment, it's, it's specifically. Uh, you know, towards the specific uh, individual. It's not mm-hmm. like a, a generic message that, right. that I could, you know, like say, oh, thanks, brother, thanks, brother, thanks, brother. You know, it's <laughs> going to be something, and then it makes sense. And uh, To me, it's important. You know, I really want to serve um, the fans, my the, the people that supports me. I, I really want to give them the best that I can. Uh, as far as, as as being there when they, I mean, there's so many people that have been. Well, oh, Piso just made my day. Retweeted my my message or my tweet course, or yeah. they like they're surprised. Like it, it's never happening to them. So um, I'm very interactive there. I don't interact on Instagram, uh, but I, I post a lot. And I got a lot of traffic there. My Facebook, my personal Facebook, uh, which is PCO Pierre Carvalet, is sold out at 5,000. Yeah. So now it's on my fan page, which is PCO Style. And now I'm trying to do more live on the, my uh, my fan page. And, and nice. really to grow this into like my main page more than my personal page. Um I did another live with the Hurts today with half of the windshield like ripping off and then crossing police car and being scared that I was going to get arrested, but I don't. Right. Because we dropped a water tank on the hood. We dropped a uh, (laughs) washing uh, machine uh, (laughs) from the third floor on the the hood. This car is like a tank, man. It's all uh, busted all over the place. The hood is... (laughs) <laughs> kind of bent in like three different dimensions. Uh, rockers are falling off the doors on the floor, but it still go, it still go. And um, I'm doing some lives, and uh, you know, I get the phone and uh, tape everything. So yeah, invite everybody to go on my PCO style uh, Facebook page and PCO's not human on Instagram. And Beer Carvalet on YouTube, where we're at episode next week is going to be episode sixty-eight. Nice. Monday on this show that comes out every Monday at around between 7 and 8 p.m. every Monday night and actually I got a big scoop for you we just shot a bunch of entrances that PCO and Destro can do so we shot like five different entrances 
which are going to be pretty crazy. Nice. So one's going to show air every like from this Monday mm-hmm. for five weeks in a row. And I shot also two commercials. Like, because the main thing for me is to top the George Foreman comeback. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Love yeah, it. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to become, like, uh, <laughs> world heavyweight champion and top George Foreman's comeback. Oh, wow. Yeah, George Foreman grill in your house. My goal is to every car in the world would have the PCO jumper cable in their car. Oh, that's awesome. So even if you don't need a boost, <laughs> you're protected by PCO and Destro. Right. <laughs> so that's the thing. Love it, my man. Love it. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at Gmail. Com. Please go subscribe, review, do all that fun and nice stuff. It really helps support the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And please also support the sponsors. Go back, rewind, listen to the top of the show. I mentioned three nice sponsors there. Help everybody out, which helps me out. All good, my friend? All good. On that note, he's PCO. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.